to enjoy their company, their fellowship. Thank you for your word and the chance to hear it today and for these songs that have been written to lead us in worship to you. Use everything that's done today for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to start out with a great hymn, Have Faith in God, He's on His Throne. That's a good thing to know when you're looking at difficulties in life and when things are not, don't always go our way, we can still have faith in God because He's still in charge. Have faith in God, He's on His throne. Faith in God when your pathway is lonely, He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of His children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's on His throne. Have faith in God. He watches all his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. When your prayers are answered, your earnest plea he will never forget. Wait on the Lord. Trust his word and be patient. Have faith in God, He'll answer yet. Have faith in God, He's on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches all His own. He cannot fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God. In your pain and your sorrow, his heart is touched with your grief and despair. Cast all your cares and your burdens upon him, and leave them there, oh, leave them there. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches all his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God, the world will about you. Have faith in God, he provides for his own. He cannot fail, the kingdom shall perish. He reigns upon his throne. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches all his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Especially like that third verse in there where it talks about casting your cares on him. But the, the hymnist made sure to mention and leave them there. Because <laughs> I 
Sometimes I have a tendency to thank God for or say, you know, it's all yours, God. And then 10 minutes later, I'm going, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I thought about this hymn. I didn't really think about it when I picked it, but um, I think this relates to the biblical story of the person who built his house on the sand versus the rock. And if, if you know anything about building, you have to put down a good foundation. You can't just be on soft sand. You have to be solid and built. And it reminded me of, of this hurricane. All those people built their homes, and they thought, oh, we're, we're, we're safe. You know, these are good, strong, solid homes. But against a hurricane that God brought against them, they were just demolished. And we have to be careful for our spiritual house that is built on Jesus Christ and his strength not on our own thoughts and good deeds, because that will surely fail. But if we're built on the rock, our spiritual home will stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fills his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every heart and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand his oath is covered and his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives wet he then is all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. But lest to stand before the throne. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you. you may be seated. Another great hymn about who we put our trust in, who we, put, who we build our life upon, who we rest in for our salvation. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus.
His mercy to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise and to know the Sabbath Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, I see to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood. Every simple faith to plunge me before healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. Yes, to see. To trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Love for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've lived him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. Got a couple of uh, spiritual songs that we haven't sang in a while. Um, I thought we would take out one as uh, this one is a, a great one about having an attitude of gratitude. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to have, that we're forever grateful for what Jesus has done for us. This says, you didn't wait for me to cry out for you, but you came to me anyway. And the, the idea is that we didn't, you didn't seek God. You were not out there, oh, I want God, I'm, I'm hungry for Him. God sought us. And He sent His Son to die before we even were alive, before we even knew Him. For, for us, even as sinners, Christ is willing to die. So I'm forever grateful to you for the cross. You did not wait for me to draw near to you, but you clothed yourself in frail humanity. 
You did not wait for me to cry out to you, but you let me hear your voice calling me, and I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful for the cause. I'm forever grateful to you. That you came to speak and save the lost. You did not wait for me to draw near to you, but you clothed yourself in frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you. But you let me hear your voice calling me, and I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful for the cross. I'm forever grateful to you that you came. To seek and save the lost, and I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful for the cross. I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. And I'm forever grateful. One more before Steve comes up, and it's the logical conclusion to all we've been talking about, recognizing that our, we need Christ as the rock to build our life upon, and all we have, all we are, is because of His grace and mercy that our attitude, our prayer would be, Lord, I give you my heart. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All that is within me, I give you. Praise all that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your me.
this is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 5 through 15. So 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 5 through 15. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul, servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. And another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, and which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If a man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just the clarity in these verses of uh, one planting. Um, and uh, one watering, and that you make it grow, Lord. We just praise you uh, 
Uh, we give you all the glory and honor for all we do, and we are excited about the rewards um, from serving with you, Lord, and want to learn more about that today from today's message. Open our hearts and minds and help us to grasp this, but to always reflect on that uh, you are the rock, uh, Christ, and we want to make sure we build on that foundation in all our lives. We ask you to help us to, again, grow in that area, even today, no matter what our walk with you, whether we are young or old, in between, uh, we always want to be ones that are open to your work in our lives. We praise you for this time. Use it for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. It's great to see every one of you here today. Glad you could be with us on this Lord's Day. As you all know, we live in a very evil world, and it seems like it's getting more and more evil all the time. And uh, it, so it's good to be in a place like this, where there's believers, where the Word of God is taught, where there's fellowship, where there's love for one another. We need this, this kind of sanctuary, this kind of place. And so we're blessed to have this, blessed to have God's Word. And so I trust that every week God helps you to continue to look to Him and trust Him. And I also know that every one of you have different struggles during the week. Your life is not perfect. <laughs> My life is not perfect. Our family is not perfect. But it's good to be here where we can be encouraged to keep going, even in the midst of difficulties and trials that we may face. And so we're continuing on looking at this subject of rewards. It's a very important one. I've never really taught on it before, at least extensively. And so we're in the second of a three-part series on this subject here. We all understand that God wants us to live for him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to obey him. He wants us to love others. He wants us to serve others. And he wants you to know that how you live your life for him on this earth will result in rewards in heaven. And that God wants to eternally reward you for everything that you say and do for him is a powerful truth and will truly, really revolutionize your life and how then you live for him. First, I want to talk about how God uses different words to describe how God wants to bless you in the future. A number of them here you find in the Bible. We're just going to go through them here this morning. First, there's the word crown. The word crown. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and to all who have loved his appearing. The first century, crowns were the wreaths that were placed upon winning athletes at the Olympic Games. And receiving a crown from God uh, means that you've run the race that he wants you to run, and that you've competed according to the rules, that you've persevered, and that you're victorious. And, and God then is pleased with you. And a couple things to recognize here is that we think about races, we think about competition, we always think about well, who's my opponent. And when we talk about this race, you don't have any opponent. It's just you and God. It's just you running for God. That's it. You and God, you running for God. It's not you against anyone else. So always keep that in your mind, says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That is, for each one of you here as believers, God has set a race before you. And you're to run this race. That's what you need to understand. And the second thing, when I say victorious, I say that in a general way, because we all know, as I just mentioned, we're not perfect. 
And so uh, none of us run an absolutely perfect race. Only Christ did that. He was our example. And so I say that so that in general, we just keep going for the Lord so much as perseverance and endurance. You know, you might have a bad day or even a bad week or maybe a bad month, but you just keep going. And I know a lot of you here, I know all of you here today, and most of you are older in your years, okay? Which to me, and I know you all enough to know that you've persevered through the years. So that's a very encouraging thing that to see you here and that you're continuing on for the Lord. In other words, similar to this word crown is the word prize. In Philippians 3.14, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The word prize has to do with the fact that God is the righteous judge. And God is the one who rightly decides the crowns, the prizes that you'll receive for living for him. That's, that's the point there. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We've looked at this before, but in this context, it's important to get this, these truths here. These words from Paul and from the Lord, of course, in our hearts and minds. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. It says, Do you not know that those who run in the race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I'm not going to talk much about the content of these verses, but just to say that we're running, and the one main thought we see is that we're to be ones who are disciplined. To run the race for the Lord, it's a matter of discipline. Uh, and uh, just making sure you're in shape, spiritually speaking, which is really a, another whole subject. We're looking at these words that talk about these blessings. The first word is crown. The second word is reward. Revelation 22:12 says, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he's done. The word reward is also translated as the word wage. Wage. Example, John 4:36, And this is the same word here. Already says, Already he who reaps is receiving wages. That's that word reward. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. You see that? Gathering fruit that is being rewarded in the future, in eternity. God will reward you when you work for him. And this reward then is what is due you. It's what you earned. We don't usually think about this in the Christian life. Well, I'm serving the Lord today and working for him. He's going to pay me. It's, it's what is due me. It's what I earn. He's going to pay me with rewards in heaven. This is the truth. That, that's, we just don't, this concept is foreign, but it is so clearly taught in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, Each Christian will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You can't get away from that. I've said this before, but it's good to repeat it. You receive your own reward according to your own labor. Not somebody else. It's you. You run in this race for the Lord. And so remember this, all Christians, all Christians, every single Christian, whether, wherever they're at spiritually, even if they go through the fire like Bruce read in 1 Corinthians 3, all Christians will be in heaven, right? That's true. All Christians will be of Jesus, that's true. All Christians will receive a glorified body, that's true. But each will be rewarded differently according to how they lived for the Lord according to the grace that God gave them to live for him. 
Third, there's the word recompense, Colossians 3, 23 and 4. Whatever you do, do your work hardly as for the Lord rather than from men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the recompense. Some translated reward, but it's recompense. You'll receive this recompense. The word recompense literally means a giving back in return. Quote, a giving back in return. That's from Vine's Dictionary. It's truly amazing and encouraging that God will graciously and generously give to you because you served him in whatever way. Maybe that was cooking a meal for the Lord, whether that means you're cleaning the house for the Lord. You know how I attached for the Lord. We can do a lot of things in life just going along and I've got to get this done, but you're just not thinking about, hey, I'm doing this for the Lord. That changes the, the whole equation. That changes everything. You do things for the Lord, whether it's cooking a meal, whether it's mowing the lawn, whether it's serving somebody, whether it's working at a job, whether it's praying for somebody, whether it's raising a child, whether it's sharing the gospel, you see? Very important. Luke 14, 14 tells you when this will happen, when you get these rewards. Quote, you'll be repaid, the rec- be recompensed, that's the word recompense, you'll be repaid, be recompensed at the resurrection of the righteous, which is on the day of Christ. We've talked about this before, but that's when. That's when Christ comes back. Rapture happens, then there's the day of Christ, we're rewarded. Fourth, there's the word treasure. So we've looked at the words crown and reward and recompense. This fourth word treasure says in Matthew 6, 19 to, 20, 19 to 21 and 24, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rust, moth, nor rust destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve God and mammon. Most of you have earthly treasures. You all know what earthly treasures are. Earthly valuables, right? Call them valuables. Here they're referred to as mammon. As mammon, as money, possessions, things that you might see and store and save up. The point here is that, 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 that you're to be using these treasures for the Lord. You're to be using these earthly treasures to gain heavenly treasures. That's the whole point here. It means you're to use your money wisely. Just think about this. You can use your money wisely and gain eternal rewards by how you use your money. That's, that's, I mean, invest it for the Lord. I mean, I, you know, whether it's, again, buying food is, is, is good, but you're thinking about your, your, your money for the Lord's purposes, okay? That's, that's what he wants you to think. And so using your money, using your possessions, using your car, using your house, using your all your earthly goods for his purposes. And when you do that, then God will reward you in heaven. You'll be storing up treasures in heaven. You'll be using your earthly treasures so you can store up heavenly treasures. That, that's, that's the whole point here. And yes, I need to say this. You can set aside money for your earthly retirement. That's fine. That's fine to do that. No, no problem with storing up money for earthly retirement. But the main point, most importantly, to serve God. You're to serve God and store up treasures for yourself in heaven. The verse in, in Matthew 6.33 says this well. So seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. The people in the world and quite a few Christians have that second part of that verse first. You know, all these other things. I'm thinking about all these other things I need to get money for and do, and all these other things is first. What's the verse say? Seek first the kingdom of God. You put God first, and he'll take care of all these other things, whether it's this life or the next life. He'll bless you in this life and bless you in the future. That, that's the point. 
It's, it's, it's a real simple concept, a real simple truth here. Turn to Luke chapter 12. This truth is, is, is Matthew 6 and Luke 12 have some parallels, and, and some of the same thoughts are shared in both. So if you look at this subject, you go to Luke 12 as well, and you learn quite a few things. But verse 33, this whole concept, this whole context, sell your possessions and give to charity, which may not be a bad thing. You know, for some of us, we man, I got a lot of things. Maybe I should sell some of these things and give the money to the work of the Lord, some missions of the church or whatever. That may be something to do. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. He's talking about a heavenly money belt. I mean, back then, you know, they didn't have their billfolds or their purses. They had money belts, okay? Make for yourself a money belt in heaven. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this truth, I, I, I hope, is pretty simple to understand here. Well, there's one more word I'll use, and it's more of a comprehensive word. It's the word inheritance. First Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4 says, God caused you to be born again to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. Now, this word inheritance, as we talk about rewards and crowns, is, is, a, is a general word. And, and I, what we've already talked about, that is crowns and rewards and recompense and, and treasures, I believe, all fall in this category under inheritance. That's, that's how I see it, what it means. The word inheritance then will cause us to think about the giver. And we have an inheritance as Christians. Who's the giver? We all know it's God the Father. He's our Father. I mean, you have an earthly inheritance. You have a earthly father or mother, they, they give you an inheritance. We're talking here about your heavenly father, your heavenly inheritance, which is much, much more important. Sometimes you might get a little jealous. You know this person, man, they got a huge inheritance from their family or relatives. It's nothing. Nothing compared to what God wants to give to you. So God then wants to really bless you and all his children with what really is an incredible and an infinite and eternal inheritance. I, we just can't understand and to comprehend. And all Christians, no matter what they do, again, all Christians, how young or old or what they've done in life, good or bad, all Christians receive inheritance. Got it? But the exact nature and the full extent of that inheritance relates to how they live for him on this earth. That is, everybody's inheritance is different. That's it. It's real simple. Everybody, every Christian gets an inheritance. Every Christian in heaven be blessed forever and ever in a great way. And there'll be no comparisons in heaven. You know, look at that guy, God. Look at that person. That won't happen, okay? So don't ever worry about that. Again, the, the race is between, is with you and the Lord. This, this, this earthly race, this spiritual race is, is, is with you and the Lord. That's where it's at. I want to talk about some more verses that relate to this truth about rewards and future blessings. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And just a simple truth is really mind-blowing. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit what? The earth. And again, I, I said this before. So many Christians, they are sort of simplistic. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to die and go to heaven. Well, you'll also, you're going to be back on earth, too. This, this makes it real clear. This is in the context of Christians, Matthew chapter 5, the, you know, the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking, and he says, hey, 
you're gentlemen, I'm going to bless you with this whole earth. That's the truth. And we, we read about this in different verses. Psalm 37 says, I think, inherit the earth six different times. And it relates to both the Jews and also, also to the Christians. But I believe some of the inheritance that you'll receive, and again, this is just my thought here, relates to how God will bless you during the millennial kingdom age. Because when you think about the future, there's, there's two parts. There's the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year period where Christ is reigning from Jerusalem, you know, on this earth. And, and you'll be blessed then, serving him then. And there's an eternal kingdom. So, so exactly how you'll be blessed in both those stages, we don't know. But there's no doubt that how God blesses you and rewards you relates to both, okay? There's, there's no doubt that that is true. Turn to Matthew 5. just want to look at a few of these verses here. Again, just some, go on some verses simply to uh, understand more. Matthew 5, verse 11. And 12, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. From the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It says that you'll be rewarded, but also says you'll be greatly rewarded. It seems to say that being persecuted, there's more rewards for those who are persecuted. More rewards. In fact, on that note, I... I was home today, you know, always trying to think of how to clean up the house a little bit and get rid of things. And I had these Voice of the Martyr magazines sitting at my desk, and I thought, oh, I'm going to throw them out. No, I'm bringing them here. So they're back there on the table. And it just astounds me when I read these. They have different countries about people being persecuted. Says, whoa. And it makes me think, man, my life is easy. In this country, in some ways, as, as Christians in this country, our life is easy compared to what they're going through over there. Where every day they've got to be thinking about, man, they may be coming after me. But so if, it's only, I've got 10 or 12, but just grab one and leave and you can read it. But it's, it's very encouraging uh, to read that and, and really eye-opening as well. Next, turn to Luke 6.15. Excuse me, 6.35. Luke 6.35. Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Again, we see that you're rewarded, and this one's for what? Persecuted, and I just mentioned that one. This one is just for loving evil people, sinful people, people that really are against you. Because God loves them, you should love them too. All of you, I, maybe not all of you, but I, I can't help but think that all of you, to some degree, have met up with people like this. And God just says, love them. Love them. And your reward is not just a reward. Here it says great too. A great reward. A great reward for loving your enemies. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go back there. Matthew 6 verse 1. Matthew 6 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. It's pretty strong. <laughs> no reward if you're doing it for men instead of doing it for God, that is, you're living your life. We've looked at these before, but what we understand in this whole section of verses is that it's quite easy as people, us here, unbelievers for sure, to want to be noticed and recognized and applauded by others. That's just the way it is. I mean, we have all kinds of 
media things out there and are people doing this and writing this and hey see me look at me and as Christians sometimes that can happen too now Matthew 6 1 really says there's two keys to being rewarded okay and and the first one is doing what is right and the second one is doing what is right in the eyes of God and so he talks about these things. People are doing that are right, but are you doing them in the eyes of God or the eyes of men? What's your purpose? What's your motive? What's your heart there? That is, do you care about what God thinks or what men think? Are you one who is humble, wanting to please God and wanting God then to see you? Which is an important thing. As you think about your life going through this week, because this message today is practical every day of this week, everything you do or say, am I doing this for God? Am I doing this for self? Am I doing this so others see me? Think about that. I mean, it, our, our hearts can be quite deceitful at times, and I know I've, I'm far from being perfect. I don't always do things from the right heart. But this is a challenge. Do things so that God, you do it because you want God to see you, and then God will reward you. That's what it's saying. And, and what we see here, and we'll look at just one, verse 4. So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And it talks about giving in secret in the two verses before that. And, and so we have three examples here in, in Matthew 6, in verses 4, 6, and 18. They talk about how God sees you when you give in secret, and when you pray in secret, and when you fast in secret. And for all these, then God rewards you. So we're talking about three specific ways that you as a Christian can be rewarded. That's why this is practical. Giving in secret, praying in secret, fasting in secret, all these. So God then wants to reward you for these things, but of course for everything in your life as a Christian. And it's not a matter then of letting people know what you're doing when you're doing something for God. And sometimes we can say things subtly or real directly. But it's a matter of just doing what you're doing quietly secretly, humbly, knowing that God sees you and that God will then reward you. And so you learn then, have this, you and me, Lord, I'm doing this for you. It's, it's the relationship that you have with God. It's you and me, Lord, I'm doing this for you. You see me. I don't care if anybody else sees me. That's the heart God wants you to have, okay? And that's, that's, a, that's a godly heart. That's a, that's a heart where God's work, worked in that heart. Continue on, Matthew 10, verse 42. So we think about rewards, we might think, oh, this is pretty hard doing these rewards. Well, no, praying isn't that hard. Giving isn't that hard. And here's another one. We'll see that. Verse 42. Whoever the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Not lose his reward. That is, God wants to reward you for anything you say, for everything you say or do, even giving water to a little child. And I can't help but think that most of you in this room have done that sometime in your life. That's, that's amazing. It's encouraging. This means that God will reward you for even the littlest thing that you do for him. Isn't that something? This is a powerful truth that God wants to reward you this way, and this gives value and meaning to every single day of your life and everything in your life. I hope you're seeing this picture. When I, I've shared this already. This is a revolutionary truth. It really should 
dramatically affect how you live every day of your life and think about everything that you do then, particularly for him. We continue on. One more section. And we're going to finish up in this section. It's a larger section of verses. It's Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Let's read verse 14 to start with. It, it, it's, it's Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And I'm not going to read all the verses. I would encourage you when you go home today or sometime this week is to read the whole section. But just for the sake of time, I'm going to just pick out some particular verses here, okay? And, and, and make some important points. Verse 14, we'll start. It is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. That's the whole idea. He got this master, he's got slaves, he's going on a journey, he entrusts his possessions to them. This is a great section of verses about how God wants to, you to use the talents that he gives you, whatever that talent might be, and then he will reward you as you use them for him. Now, this, this parable here, this story is also, well, a similar parable. It's not the same one. It's very similar, though. It's given to you in Luke 19, and you really need to read both because there's different thoughts and ideas. The same general principles are given, but there's a few different things. So I would encourage you to read the Luke 19 section as well. But I have to go over a number of points from these passages. First of all, the man represents Christ. He's going on a journey. That means that's referring to when Christ went to heaven after he died on the cross, rose again from the dead. That, that's what that's saying. And then what's happening, as he says, is that he's coming back. It doesn't say it here. It says this in the Luke 19 poem. Point, that, that he's coming back to establish his kingdom. That's referring to when Christ returns to this earth at the end of this age to set up his kingdom on this earth. After the rapture, after the day of the Lord, then he'll set up his kingdom on this earth. That, that's what that's referring to. Okay, So that's the whole big picture here. Secondly, the man, the master gives talents to his slaves, to his servants, and they're responsible then to use them, not for themselves, but for the master. And so this relates to your whole life. God has given all of you different talents and abilities and money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not for you. It's not for you. It's, it's for the Lord. I mean, again, you, you have to take care of yourself when you, you buy a car, you buy food. Yes, I understand that. But ultimately, it's for the Lord. God gives you things that you can use for his purposes. That's the thing. It says in Luke 19, Master tells the slaves, do business with this until I come back. Classic verse. Do business with this until I come back. There's another verse. I think it's, it might be, I'm sure it's King James, another verse. It says, occupy until I come. I like this better. I mean, you can translate it, I believe, this way. I, do business with this, that is, these talents, until I come back. And this gives relevance to our lives because we are living the end times. Some of you here might be alive when Christ comes back. I don't know exactly when. He's come back pretty soon. I would think sometime before the end of this century. So do business. So whatever abilities, talents, money God's given you, keep doing business until I come back. It's not just until you're a certain age or whatever. It's for your whole life. And I understand things change. You know, you get older. You may not have as much money or younger because you're more in retirement income and stuff like that. But the point is you still do business with what God gives you until he returns. Matthew 25, verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. There's two parts to this. Well, two parts I want to focus on that are very important to see. The first part, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. 
Okay, so that the point is that God gives different talents, different gifts, different amounts of money to different people. Okay, you're all, you're all different. There's nobody in the whole world like you in terms of what you receive, what God's given you. You're different. Okay, you're unique. But there's something else here. There's something else you must see. God, um, God also then has made you a certain way. Okay, you see that the next part there. It says, verse 25, each according to his own ability. The point here is that each person is different. You all have different abilities. You all have different backgrounds, right? Every one of you here have a different background. Everybody else in this room, everyone in the whole world. Different backgrounds. You have different experiences, right? You all have different experiences in life. You have different positions, different opportunities. All that is different. So, Differing um, ta- talents, differing gifts given to people with differing abilities. Two things you see there. Different talents, different amounts of money, whatever, to different abilities. So God gives you talents to use in accordance with the abilities, the position, the experience, the opportunities that you have. That's important to see, a very, very important verse here. And so we're all unique. And, and you all know this, but it must be stressed. There's no one else in the world just like you. No one. God made you a certain way, with physically, emotionally, mentally, personality, spiritually. You're all different, right? You know this. This is pretty simple. And that's why God is so specific with each one of you in terms of what he gives you as talents and who you are as a person so he can use the talents he gave you for his purposes and glory. That's it. That's, that's what we're saying here. And so it is, again, what God gives you is for him, for his work, for his purposes, and for his kingdom and glory. So it's, it's good to think about that. I mean, again, we're talking about earthly treasures. We're talking about things that you have and own. And you, you have to have this mindset. How can I use what God's given me for his purposes? How can I do this? And again, I must stress, it's not a matter of having a lot. That's why that one verse, given water even to a little child, it just can be a little. A little. And later, we'll see in a few minutes, it's, it's really the heart. That's what's important. So don't ever compare yourself to anyone else. You're in this race, you and the Lord. That's what it is. You're not running against anybody else. And none, none, none of that stuff at all. God made you the way you are, and he gave you certain gifts and abilities that you're to use for him, and he then will reward you accordingly. We continue, Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, The master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. This word, long time, is referring to this church age. As you all know, this church age has been going on for about how long now? About 2,000 years, right? We now know we live in the end times. This church age is coming to a close. Not that long. Again, we don't know the day or the hour, but sometime, pretty soon, whether it's in five years, 10, 20, 30, 40, we don't know. But it's coming to a close. Christ then is soon coming back. At that time then, when he comes back and they have Christ, you'll have to give an account to God of how you lived your life for him. So we're talking here about using your life for them. Now this is, this is serious stuff. Account? Might be a little scary. Wow. Well, in one hand, it should sober you up. I mean, you had to work for God. I mean, think about this. If you work at some job someplace and you do something for your employer and you're not doing it, he comes and says, come to the office. I've got to see you. 
Uh, son, whoever who it is talking to you, you're not doing your job. You're shaking a little bit. You know, you're right. I'm not doing my job. You see? So it should be a little scary, sobering. Okay, I'm not saying the wrong way, but hey, this is what God says. Point is, what'd you do for Christ? How'd you live your life for him? Did you use what God gave you? Or did you waste it? Or were you lazy? Or were you selfish? I mean, I, mean, let's, I wasn't planning to read them. I won't read this last section here. The, um, there's five talents, two talents, one talent, one of the five talents, one of the two talents did good. Jesus was happy. Verse 24. The one who also, the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you gathered no scattered where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid. Went away. Hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what you, what is yours? His master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered in no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. It's pretty strong, real strong. I mean, I even thought, I've said it before, to call somebody wicked and lazy, yeah, they didn't use what you gave them. You gave them what they could do according to their abilities. We read that verse in verse 15. It wasn't like it would be too hard for them to serve you with what you gave them to do. Romans 14, 12. So then each one will give an account of himself to God. Again, this is one of the most sobering verses there is in the Bible, for you will personally give an account of how you live for the Lord. You'll personally give an account to him of how you use the abilities and the talents that God himself gave to you how you served the Lord on this earth. We continue. Back to Matthew, Matthew 25, verse 21, the first part. The master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. He's, he's talking to the one who has the five talents, who got five more talents. He full 100% return on his investment. That's what that means. He, he, he did what God wanted him to do. And there's a, a few keys to... Um, a few keys we need to see from this verse here, this first part of the verse that will help us. First, you must see yourself as a slave of Christ, as a servant. This is fundamental to this whole discussion this morning. Do you see who God is and do you see who you are, that you are his servant? The actual verb, the word rather, the noun is, is, is slave. Doulos, a slave. Not nine to five, 24 to seven. You all know 24 to seven means. It means full time around the clock all week long. Okay, I'm not saying you don't rest. I'm not saying you don't sleep. But your whole day, your whole life is for the Lord. We song, sang that song, I give my heart to you. It's the whole thing. That, that's, that's it. So you, you see that you're to live for God and not self. And, and, and one hand, it's a simple thing. It's, it's like every day getting up. You're there in the morning at your house, having your coffee, your breakfast, reading the Bible, whatever you do in the morning, get going. And you say, Lord, I'm here. And you humble yourself. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want today. You tell me. That, that's, that's the heart. And that can be a little bit scary. Well, I don't know what you're going to tell me to do today. Hey, he knows who you are. It won't be beyond what you can do by his grace. Just be humble and willing to do whatever he wants. Second, you must be a good slave, it says. Well done, good and faithful slave. That is, God wants you to have a good heart. 
And, 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 and what's central to having a good heart is what? It's loving God. That's it. A heart that loves God. You're in the, up in the morning, Lord, I love you. I want to serve you. Hey, you tell me what to do today. You love the Lord. You want to please him. It's not a matter of what other people say or think, you know. You got away from learning to be a man. Please, I want to please you, God. That's, that's a good heart. Thirdly, you must be faithful. You must do what God wants and faithfully and continually do what God wants. Being a solid, successful Christian, whoever you are, wherever you're at, means you are faithfully, day after day, week after week, year after year, serving the Lord. And again, I've said that before, just to say it again, I'm not saying you can be perfect. We know that. We're talking about, hey, I'm running the race. You know, sometimes I slip and fall, it says there in Proverbs. What does it say? Someplace there. <laughs> Proverbs 8, 9, it says you may stumble or fall. Was it seven times? And you keep going, keep getting up. So yeah, you'll fall, but you just keep going. You keep enduring. And I commend you for that because in general, I see that with our church right here. We Guys are enduring. It's, it's, it's very encouraging for me to see this. To the best of your ability, then, you have to work hard for God. Now, now listen to what I'm saying here. To the best of your ability, your ability, God gives you, you have to work hard for God. That's what's most important to him. Then he will reward your effort, your work, and your faithfulness. Listen to what I'm saying here. Your effort, your work, your faithfulness, what Christ rewards then is effort, not the outcome. God does not expect us to have equal outcomes. He's not interested in what some say, equity. Not interested, not at all. Nothing about equal outcomes here. That's not the way God works. None of that at all. God just wants every person to give maximum effort. That's it. And God then rewards what? Your heart, your effort, your motives, your obedience. Not what's seen, not the results, not that, but the heart, what's inside. That's what's important, you see. Please understand that. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 to 5, speaks about this. Paul is speaking. It's very interesting what he says here. First Corinthians chapter four, first five verses. Verse one. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, and Paul's talking from his perspective. Hey, I, I, I'm supposed to, you know, preach the word of God, and God has given me truths. He says, I want to be a servant. I want to be a good steward. Okay, so that's his perspective. But in our own lives, we should think, okay, whatever God's given us, we use for him. In this case, moreover, it is required of servants that one be found trustworthy. This applies to all of us here, that you're trustworthy with what God has given you. Verse 3, but to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. Very interesting. (laughs) So... I'm not concerned what other people think. In fact, I'm not even sure what's going on in my heart. And I said this before. How, how many of you can, even yesterday, go back through all the different things you thought, all the things you said or did? Can you remember it? Remember all that? You, no, none of us can. There's no way you could have time to record everything. 
So you're not examining yourself. Nobody else is either, right? Who is? God is. That's what he says. We continue on. It says, For I'm conscious of nothing against myself, yet I'm not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. So he's just saying, hey, my conscience is clear. And then he says, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but my conscience is clear, which is important for us as Christians, that we have a clear conscience. And God's Spirit works with our conscience to make sure that we're, you know, right before him and doing what we know we should do. But again, he says, hey, one examines me is the Lord. Therefore, don't go on passing judgment before the time. Wait until the Lord comes, who will bring both the light, the things hidden, and the darkness, and disclose the motives of men's heart. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So you see what he says? Wait till the Lord comes. Return of Christ, day of Christ, same point. Wait till the Lord comes. That's, that's it. Then the things hidden in the darkness, even in your own heart, your own motives, God will know. He'll know. And then each man's praise will come to him from God, which praise is maybe another word for God will bless you, reward you. Then each man's praise. Then each man will be rewarded. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We saw this verse in Romans chapter 14, 12. This same thought, that is. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, th- th- we've said this before. This is the truth. There is a coming a time where there will be a judgment for the believers. There's definitely a judgment for the unbelievers. That's, we know, given to us in Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. And so, again, don't compare yourself with anyone else. Important that you see that God's in charge and he knows what he's doing with each person. That means you and every other person in the world. He knows what he's doing with each person when he gives that person certain gifts and certain abilities, okay? He knows what he's doing. But let me give you an example. Let's say there's an invalid, a Christian. This invalid, she can't get out of the home, but she's a faithful prayer warrior. Then there's this talented evangelist, sort of lazy, not really using his talents, not really working hard for God. So who's going to be rewarded more? The answer is simple. This lady in her house. Nobody knows about her. That's what we're saying here. God rewards heart and motives and efforts, not, hey, what's seen? This evangelist, okay? She loved God. She was faithful. She worked hard for him. I've regularly talked about these two women in the Bible, and I'll say them again here, and I think they're giving examples in this whole context here. You have Luke chapter 2. Sorry about Anna. 84. Praying around the clock. She'll be rewarded. Big time. Tabitha, Acts chapter 9. Loving the saints, serving them, sowing for them. You see, two ladies. So we have to get this mindset, and I hope you see it. It's not a matter of somebody's position or what they're doing. Oh, that person's doing a lot for God. You can have some of the most well-known Christians in this country who are great preachers. Who knows? There'll be some other people, I believe, have many more rewards than those people. I'm just saying in general. So I have to understand this. I have to see this. Finally, Matthew 25, 21 again. I looked at the first part of that verse. Now we look at the second part 
of this verse. Matthew 25, 21, I'll read the whole thing. It says there, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Okay, a few different things here to understand. Very important. First, Jesus Christ will personally commend you for how you live for him. And specifically, specifically, he'll commend your faithfulness. That is your effort. Remember, we just talked about faithfulness, effort, heart, motives. He'll commend you for that. That's, that's the thing. Not, the, not, again, the outcome, not the results. Second, he'll reward you. Now, there's what I believe. Some of these rewards will be seen in the responsibilities that God gives you in the ages to come. Luke chapter 19 talks about that, about, hey, you'll be in charge of 10 cities. You'll be in charge of this. What's he talking about? I think that's literal. Literal. That in the age to come, talking, I think he's talking about millennial kingdom personally, we're going to be, says in Revelation 5.10, reigning with Christ over the world. Well, that means we have responsibility. Hey, you've got 10 cities you're ruling over. That's just one way. I'm saying there's probably a multitude of ways that we'll be serving him in the future. And I believe that the rewards we receive relate to the responsibilities that we will have in the age to come. And I believe in the ages to come. That's what I'm saying. Is how you serve Christ now results in being rewarded. And these rewards relate to how you will serve Christ in the future. You get it? How you serve Christ now results in rewards, and these rewards, I believe, relate directly then to how you will serve Christ in the future. Finally, and this is probably the most important thing, you'll share your master's happiness. And that's, what, what does that all mean? I don't know. It sounds pretty good to me. You'll share your master's happiness. You'll have a good and close relationship with God, with Christ You'll, you'll, you'll walk with him, you'll enjoy him, you'll love him, you'll serve him, you'll have fellowship with him. It says it this way in John, Psalm 16. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Two more verses I want to read. First set, set of verses, John 14. You know these verses, we sing a song related to these verses. John chapter 14, 1 to 3. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house and my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's important to understand this. The person who thinks about you more than anybody else in the world is, of course, God the Father and Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're thinking about you right now. They love you. Here it says specifically, Jesus went back to prepare a place for you. He can't wait to see you and be with you. And he's prepared a place. He's got all these rewards we're talking about. It's not just, again, things piled up, but relate to your relationship with him, relate to you then serving with him in the future. Encouraging. One more verse, Isaiah 40. As you can tell, we've not looked at any verses. I don't think we've looked at any yet. Uh, from the Old Testament. But here's one about rewards. I want you to see it. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. You know when that is? Has he come with might yet? He come with might in the first century? No. This is future. This is 
when he comes back. This is, I think it's Luke 21, 27. Glory and power. Behold, the Lord God will come with might with his arm, ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He's coming back to rule and to give us rewards. Isn't that something? It's encouraging. This, I want you to see this. It's a sobering subject, but a most encouraging one, too, that we can live for God and, and he reward us. And one thing I've not said, but, I, but I, I just need to say this, is the rewards we receive relate to glory being given to God. There, there's, I have no doubt a direct connection. It's not just about, oh, I'm going to get rewarded. No, it relates to God then in Christ getting more glory. And, and some might suggest, and I'll say this, I, I think I would say, believe this, is the person who really serves, serves God on this earth and really rewarded greatly will be able to give more glory to God in the future. Okay, that's, that's what I believe. And that should, be, that should be the topmost in our mind. I want to give glory to God. And so living for God now is not about yourself. It's not about me getting all the rewards in heaven so people can see me, but it's for the Lord and giving him glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We bless you for these words you've given us and, and true words and important words. And, and, and I dare say, I, I just don't think most of Christianity see these and understand these, but we do. And, and, and Lord, it really is true that these truths will revolutionize our, our lives as we live for you and then are rewarded in the future. And that relates to our whole future with you and our purpose and giving you glory, all these things. But thank you for each one here and those who aren't here today, who couldn't make it for whatever reason, Lord, those listening on. We pray, Father, that you would really use this in all our hearts, this truth today. But pray, God, you'd help each one of us. We are all different places in our life. And and what needs to be true, that we all then are living by your grace and by your truth, by your promises, by your commands, day after day, week by week. I pray, Lord, for each of us that we'd have a, a close walk with you. We think about Enoch, he walked with God. Might that be said of us, that we walk with you. And that doesn't just mean getting up in the morning, saying some prayers, and then at night saying some more prayers, and in between you forgot about God. Sometimes our days may be like that. The Lord might be the ones who learn what it means to walk with you all day long, all week long. And that kind of, I know that's impossible, but, but that should be our goal. When more and more we're walking with you, Lord, I, we pray that you'd help us to do that. Protect us from the evil one, Lord. The evil is out there, says in, in uh, Matthew 6, Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from temptation. We pray that, God, because we are in this fight and we know that God's your will. Help us to stay close to you, stay close to one another. We need the fellowship. We need the encouragement, Lord, whether that's giving a phone call, email, text, or whatever. Having lunch with somebody, just help us to stay close with each other. And, Lord, help then use us in the purposes that you want. With the, these earthly treasures we've talked about, with the abilities and the talents, help use us, God, for your purposes this week. Thank you again for this time. Do pray for Bethel as well. Thank you for that church. And I pray that you'd encourage them and bless them too pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just one more thing I'll mention to pray for, and is that at this present time, this present hour, and for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 hours, there's been a hurricane going over Central America. And I say that because, you know, the one one of our state is pretty bad, but this one, it's hit Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Belize, um, Guatemala. It's a pretty big one, and I was looking at some of the radar this morning, and it's massive not so much in wind it's it's only a one or so 60 70 mile an hour but it's the rain 
And, and they don't have quite the structures they, you know, down there that we have up here. And so rainfall, and talking to Giovanni about this, flooding and things could be pretty bad. So just keep those people in your prayers. You know, Betty here, she's from Honduras, as is Sally and Giovanni. They have friends and family back there, too. So anyway, just want to mention that. Activity-wise, uh, we've got our Bible study Wednesday. If you're able to come out uh, for 6.45 p.m. And then two weeks, two Sundays away, we'll have Matthew Meal the 23rd. So just keep that on your calendar two weeks out. Um, and then November the 12th, we're planning ahead for the church barbecue. We've uh, started some t- discussions on that and going to do a little bit different this year as far as Instead of um, bringing items from your garage and so forth, we're going to uh, uh, have a raffle with gift cards. So keep that in mind. It'll be a little bit different. Uh, should be fun. Um, if you want to provide a gift card, um, we're looking at around $15 or more type of gift card. Uh, so we'll have a raffle for those. Should be fun. That's November the 12th. And feel free to invite neighbors, friends, family, etc. As Steve said, Voice of the Martyr magazines on the back table if you want to take one of those. We also have some Hope Bible Church pins if you'd like to take one for yourself or just to give to somebody as an opportunity to talk about church, inviting them maybe. Um, so those are on the back table in a little cup. And then today, after church in Fellowship Hall, uh, we'll have a little gathering um, to talk about uh, future lady events. Um, so if you'd like to be part of that discussion, stick around and, and join that. Uh, that'd be great. And now we have our last songs and offering. Uh, offering in the box on the back table or mailing in or giving online. Thank you. invite you to stand with us for our uh, last two songs. First one is a scripture song taken from Hosea chapter 6 verse 3. Talks about pressing on to knowing the Lord. That's part of what Steve was saying that our rewards are how how much do you love him? He's going to give crowns for those who long for his appearing, who love him and desire to be with him and that's Our goal here on earth is to see how well we can get to know him now so that into the future it will just be a superseding of that. Let us press on to know the Lord. So let us know So let us press on to know the Lord is going for.
as the dawn, as the dawn, and He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain, watering the earth. So let us press on to know the Lord, like the spring rain. So let us press on to know the Lord. So let us know So let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and He will come to us like the rain. Like the spring rain, watering the earth. So let us press on to know the Lord. Like the spring rain, watering the earth. So let us press on to know the Lord. Last one is a great hymn. Um, in the Old Testament, the Jews went to Jerusalem, they had special feasts that they would go, and they used to go as caravans, you know, just whole families going up, everybody to doing it. And they, as you read in the book of Psalms, there are certain Psalms that were called Psalms of Ascension, because it was uphill all the way to Jerusalem, and they'd sing hymns going up and stuff. I think this is a great hymn for us as Christians, uh, thinking about where we're marching, and we're marching to Zion. So sing it like you're marching to Zion, okay? be way low if I don't do it right. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord, join in a song with sweet accord, and thus surround the throne, and thus surround the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. 
but children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, on the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. To fairer worlds on high. To fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Benediction, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, sixteen and seventeen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Amen. 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 